Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. As we have read and studied this first chapter in the book of James, Walt and I have had the opportunity to consider it joy when you face various trials. You know, we've seen a wide variety of trials um, over these past few weeks, and I say that kind of with a smile, um, but there have been some tears uh, from the little things that are just plain old bothersome to uh, sickness, fighting with a cold and cough, um, to some family members with uh, cancer struggles, um, decisions for hospice care, and even the death of Walt's older brother. You know, a week ago, oh my goodness, is it a week? We were asked to leave our house at 11 p.m. because of a problem with the sewer system. How inconvenient. And you know, as I quickly packed a suitcase for our two-day mini vacation. Wait, wait, that was not a mini vacation. That was not. Well, yeah, it... It, it truly did involve a sewer problem. But, you know, actually, as I packed, I, I thought of people who um, are often throwing a bag together as they flee a war zone, or they're running literally from a wildfire that is taking over their community. And um, these people may never return to their home. And so truly, in all honesty, we reflect and have been taken back to James 1 in some very real ways over this past month of teaching. Consider it joy. You know, James is writing to Christians and he's calling them to grow and mature in their walk with God. And friends, how do we, you, me, how do we respond to trials You know, James is telling us that the one way for us to measure the maturity of our faith is how do we respond? So today we're going to continue and we are going to actually finish chapter one in James today. James verse 19, he tells us this. You know, my brothers and sisters. Now, I want, I want to stop here. This is the third time in chapter one that James references this family relationship. James cares about these people. You can imagine he knows many of them. He's ministered to them and been beside them as all of them, James and these brothers and sisters, as they walk through trials. In fact, in the book of James, he is going to use this common name, this reference of this family relationship 19 times. So, Yeah, and even as you say that, Brenda, that reminds us when he's talking about brothers and sisters, these are children of God our Father through Jesus Christ. He's reminding us that that relationship carries responsibility. Mm, That's a good input. Yeah, And, and you know, as we continue... 
with regard to the trials and the difficulties that these people are facing, James is facing. You know, we've we've pointed that out well several times over these past weeks. James not he's not sitting in a palace somewhere and and is away from them, but he actually is also in the midst of these difficulties. And so we say, how will we respond? How do we respond when these trials and difficulties? Yes, I want to I want to mature. Well, we need to stop here. Let me ask us a couple questions. Walt and I have been asking ourselves these questions very, for very real reasons over these past few weeks. Do I complain about my trials? Am I angry because of the trials and the difficulties, the inconvenience, the sickness, the hardship, the sorrow in my life? Do I complain? Am I angry? Reading, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James advises his readers, he's telling you and me, let every one of you first listen, first listen, take your two ears, be quick to hear. And then next he says, remain silent. You need to choose to be slow to speak. Hear first, listen first. And we've often heard it said, we've got two ears. So we should use the two ears more than we use the one mouth. Be quick to hear, be slow to speak. And then third, remain calm in the midst of trials. Be slow to anger. You know, just take note of this. In order for me to hear someone else speaking, I must stop talking. If I want to truly hear, I must stop talking. And anger, I must slow my emotional response. You know, count to 10, go take a walk around the block, but take time to listen. Am I hearing what is being spoken? Am I taking it in? And really slowing down that anger, that emotional response. And you know, Brenda, even as you're saying that, what James is going to be teaching that that um, that in order to hear clearly, you must you must stop and you must listen. But first, the first person we need to stop and listen to is the Lord. You know, we need to allow Him to speak into into our lives through His written Word, through um, the Spirit of God, through the living Word of His Son, and all that He teaches us. And you know, um, even as you're you're talking, I'm realizing for me this is supernatural. I I, um, I am not by definition slow to speak. I I speak up. I want to defend myself. I want to vent my feelings and my emotions. And that's a very you know, that's a normal human response, but I like what you said. This is supernatural. This is beyond the human. Right. And that's what James is saying. We're no longer just natural earth dwellers. We're now members of God's family, and we should reflect that. We are. We should have a difference in the way we speak and how we listen. James is telling us that God wants us to use these trials of, of this life here on earth to grow us and mature us in our personal walk 
walk with God. And in the next two verses, he's going to tell us what we should do. These are verses 21 and 22. He says, therefore, in light of this, being slow to speak and quick to listen and and not living lives that are full of anger, therefore, put away all the, the filthiness and the rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. See, there's, we, we need to listen to something. We need to have something impact our life. That word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In verse 21, he instructs us to put aside all kinds of unclean behavior and, and recognize the negative consequences those can have in our life. You know, the Greek word here, psychist, it's used over 40 times, um, translated your lives or yourself. It, it's not just focusing on your soul, which is able to save your soul, but on the whole individual. Um, the, the wickedness has a consequence, but also the word of God being implanted in your life has a consequence. Um, it seems like James is really saying something similar to what Paul said a number of years later in Romans 6, verses 17 and 18, when he says, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed. And having been free from your sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That teaching to which you were committed was this implanted word of God. That's exactly what James is teaching when he talks about this word being implanted. He uses an imagery of a seed. The seed's planted, and it's intended to grow in our life. If it's not growing in our life, something is wrong. And then in verse 22, we're instructed to listen submissively but also to actively apply the word of God. Be doers, not hearers only. You know, it's good to read our Bibles every day. Um, We try to read our Bibles every day. We try to study the word every day. But if all you're doing is advancing a bookmark in your Bible, or if all you're doing is learning some more theological truths and you're not applying them to your life, you're deluding yourself. You're misleading yourself. You're being deceived. If you're checking a righteousness box, even in your study or your reading of the Word of God, and it's not truly impacting your life through the Word of God, you're just a hearer. Yeah, and I, I just, that whole idea of be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And, you know, this is kind of that part in James' letter that he's writing where people felt like he was speaking contrary to Paul's teaching. Right. And, and you know, Brenda, one of the things I realized, and this isn't a pretty thing, but, you know, we've been involved um, as ministry workers, um, pastoral ministries, you as a woman's ministry director, we've been doing ministry professionally for a lot of years. And if we're not especially careful, we we tend to take the, our study of the Word of God and getting ready to teach it to others, and and we're we're digging into it. But but if we're not careful, it's real easy to not personalize it and apply it. Right, and 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 how important that that is. Those those really a lot of times it's so small things right the fruit of the spirit you know love joy peace patience kindness you know are are am i looking for that person who who needs a word of encouragement is you know sometimes it's a 
quick note to someone, sometimes, you know, there are a lot of different ways that we can actually be doers of the word. Um, and it's, you know, it's not just standing up and, and teaching a Bible lesson, um, but it's that personal application, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, now James is going to use an illustration for just to give us some more clear understanding. And it was kind of neat. Well, what, just before we started recording tonight, he just was pointing out, James does this a lot. He Sometimes he expands them that sometimes it just he drops in these little nuggets for us. And so here is one in verses 23 and 24. So if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, a mirror by definition it's a person will use will see a mirror image a reflected image in something that shines you know it's got to be shiny enough right and so looking back at what would have been the first century at this time mirrors were made of silver or of bronze but it had a very low reflectivity so um I was, well, and I, again, we're just having this conversation as we're preparing to talk to you today. You know, you had to look really close to even see a reflection and stare at it very carefully. Um, and even the careful inspection did not give you necessarily a very clear image. And then when you walk away, in this verse, you forget, you forget what you saw. And why do we use mirrors? We use mirrors to see what we look like before we go out. What's my makeup look like? What's my hair? Do I need to shave today? I mean, that's the big thing that I get asked. Do Walt says, do I need to really shave today? Yes, you do. (laughs) And I love the days when she says you don't have to. No, you don't need to do it today. Give you those. But James says, this cannot be the way we look at God's word. It's, It's not just a quick glance to see, you know, did I get the spaghetti sauce off my face before I run out to go to an evening meeting? No, we need to take the time to look and to gaze at God's word and say, how can this change me? And remember, this is continuing that thought of the implanted word growing in your life. Um, James says in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and and perseveres, um, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, see that application, that action, he will be blessed in his doing. I love what Charles Ryrie uh, said about this. He said, the contrast in these verses, um, this mirror one, it's a simple one. The careless man looks into a mirror and forgets what he sees, but the earnest one looks into the word of God and he acts upon what he sees there. He looks into the perfect law, this law of liberty. And when we look closely, carefully at his word, it, it should. No, it's more than that. It must. It will impact our lives. I love this perseverance. James is repeating this word again. And, and instead of giving up or grumbling or complaining or being quick to um, to forget, James is saying, um, rather than that, hearers of God's word, when they persevere, um, God does something in their lives. He's already said this in verse 12. If you want a crown of life, 
persevere. And now he says, do you want blessing in, in the midst of doing life? Persevere. And James now directs our attention to religion because there's he's still dealing with that Jewish Jewishness of these Jewish believers. They they still have that act there. And so he wants us to look in verse 26 and 27. And religion, we need to re- realize that word religion can sometimes carry a bad reputation. Um, just with the mention of the word. However, here in verses 26 and 27, James wants us to understand pure and undefiled religion. He writes, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then in 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He says if if a person thinks he's religious, here's a clue that he's not religious. This person does not, will not bridle his tongue. This person's only fooling himself herself. Their religion is actually worthless. It is empty. And here's what he wants us to understand. If your religion is pure and undefiled before God the Father, if you're living the way God wants you to live as a believer, as one of his children, here are three characteristics. Number one, you will seek to control your tongue. And we're going to, James is going to revisit the tongue a little in a couple more chapters. He's going to have some more to say about the tongue. But number one characteristic, you'll control your tongue. Number two, you will seek to help care for those who are less fortunate than you, the orphans, the widows, those that are helpless. Psalm 146.9 tells us the Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. And then third, you will put aside all filthiness and wickedness. Remember that from verse 21 tonight? I keep yourself. You will keep yourself unstained from the world. You'll put aside that filthiness, that wickedness. And that's what James is talking about, being a doer of the word. He says, a doer of the word will consider it all joy because these trials, these times of difficulty give us an opportunity to truly apply the word of a God. Let it be implanted. Let it impact the way we think and act. Um, let it impact that we are we become quick to hear. Uh, let it impact that we become slow to speak and slow to anger. And then the goals we strive for um, in our daily lives, they'll reflect the righteousness of God. They'll reflect that we're a doer of the word of God. And they'll involve pure and undefiled religion, how we relate to God um, when we care for the widows and orphans. Um, Just recently, I heard a a great illustration about a veteran, a a man who every month gave $100 to his local pharmacy. And he told the pharmacist that he didn't want anyone else to know. But when someone came in and they had a difficulty, they couldn't pay for for medicine. He wanted the, the pharmacy 
to apply that his gift so that they would have it. And he did this for over 10 years. And he told the pharmacist that he didn't want anyone else to know. And no one else knew, including his own family until after he died. And that's when the pharmacist um, said something to his daughter. And because of that, that act of selflessness, that's an example. And this guy was a believer. That's an example of caring for widows and orphans, people that, that can't help him at all, people that are going to get no publicity. And in this case, until after he dies, that's what God wants his implanted word to do. And as we conclude today, let's let's just go to him in prayer and ask that that would be true of our lives, of your life, of my life. Father God, I thank you that you want your word to change us. You don't want us just to hear and to move on. You want your word to have an impact, to be implanted, to grow, um, to be applied, that we would become doers of the word, not just hearers, deluding ourselves. Lord, there's a world watching. We, we can't live that way, deluding ourselves. Lord, in your kindness and with the power of this Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, would you change the way we speak? Help us to listen better. Would you change the, the things we do? Cause us to care for others, the least of these that can't help us a bit. And God, we want to have the kind of pure and undefiled religion in your sight that leads to your glory as we walk with God. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.